What is up, Nurse Nation, and welcome back to the FN Nurse Podcast. I am Martin Moreno, and sitting across from me is Nick Denizia. And this is FN2187 number three, our weekly Star Wars show. We said it was going to be our weekly Star Wars show when we launched the first episode, and we meant weekly like in dog years. <laughs> so uh, we today we are going to recap both episodes one and two of The Book of Boba Fett, yes. which premiered on Disney+. Plus. Uh, two weeks ago, and we, spoiler, absolutely loved. But before we get into that, I just want to say that, um, no, I do not have COVID. I know I may sound a little sick. Um, I have a bit of a congestion, cold thing going on. I'm chilling my inner uh, Phoebe Buffet on this, you know. Your cold makes you sound so great. Fuck, God, I love how sexy I am. <laughs> Don't lie, bro. I know you got the Omicron. Or the, the Omicron, or what? The, the Omarion. The, the Omarion, or no, whatever. No, no, I do not have is. the Omarion. No. Uh, Every time I see Omicron, I feel like I need to hear it in Optimus Prime's voice. Yeah, no, I, but I do not have that. My uh, my heart is not an icebox. Okay, yeah. it's so it's 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 definitely fine. Um, but yes, I'm very excited to talk about these two episodes because, like I said, I thought both of these episodes were great, mm-hmm. and I'm ready to kind of break them down a little bit. Talk about what we can expect from the rest of the series. Talk about some possible rumor characters that are potentially might come in. Hell yeah, who we think it's going to come in yep. so um with that being said nick what did you think about episode one you know what's funny like five minutes into like watching it i got just so excited and giddy because i was really happy to be back just in the mando verse like mm-hmm. i missed this so much and that star wars intro with the droids and the flash yeah, yeah yeah dude like i got i got hyped and and i honestly think you know why i love the mandalorian so much and why i'm also loving the book of boba fett so much is because you just have these creators along with all these directors that not only love the property, but I think that all of them grew up either grew up or cause I know some are younger. So they either grew up during like the 50s, 60s and 70s, or they're very influenced by it. Mm-hmm. And you know, you see that in the show when it comes to the Western influence, the samurai influence, the schlocky B like monster movie influence. Like you see all this like cowboys and Indians, like cowboys and Indians, like all these flavors are just thrown into the show. And it's just done with so much love and respect. And and yeah, man, just through these two episodes, I, I love this, man. It's, yeah. it's great. And it should also be mentioned that all these people, like you said, who are involved have a very good familiar understanding of how big production works, of yes. how big live action production works. Mm-hmm. Unlike other properties who, you know, are comic book writers, they understand the characters, right. but they don't really understand how big... The technical side of it. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. how live action stuff works. So, <laughs> hey, let's have Crisis. Hey, let's get rid of our core members. You know, you know oh what I mean? Oh my God, dude. It's okay. Already, shut shut the fuck up. up. I'm shut the hot. fuck up. <laughs> shut up. Please shut up. Please shut up! <laughs> Okay, let's 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 let it go. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, because this, this moving is a, on. This is a safe space. We're talking about both. Yes, right? moving on to episode one. Um, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Because for the people um who haven't seen it or who don't know, and if you haven't seen it, you don't know. I don't know why you're listening to this episode, but Robert Rodriguez mm-hmm. directed the first episode. Right. And in the gallery, Robert Rodriguez talked about his love for Boba Fett. He talked about how much he want of how he wanted to bring this character to. Um, the mainstream, what his sort of vision for it, how he wanted to interpret him, interpret him. And uh, he said that he treated it almost as if it was going to be the last time that we ever saw Boba. Right. You know, and that episode, episode six in um, the tragedy, mm-hmm. because we lose the Razor Crest of uh, season two of The Mandalorian, 
that episode is Robert Rodriguez as fuck. Yes. You know, and it's very easy. I know we say that all the time. Like, oh, this movie is so Guillermo del Toro as fuck or it's so Scorsese or whatever, whatever. But when you know a director and, and or like a visual creator or whatever, and whether it's the way they write, whether it's the way they shoot, their action sequences, you know, the little things that they bring from previous product or previous experiences were very on display in episode six. And the moment when Fennec Shen is running to the boulders and we get these sort of like sparky, like low budget, almost like explosions. You're like, right. all right, that feels like a Robert Rodriguez movie. And, and then and long and behold, and, and she does the jump, the jump yeah. and the spin, which is like an iconic move from the mariachi films. Mm-hmm. So when she did that, I'm like, oh, this is Robert Rodriguez's episode. Right, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I felt it. And, and some of the Boba fighting styles were reminiscent of the mariachi fighting styles from Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Two movies that I fucking Love. This should hold the both of us over for quite a long time. So, I don't ever want to see you again. Gracias, señor. Fuck off. And going back to episode one, this was not Robert Rodriguez as fuck. It was. For, for me, at least personally. This was so different than the other stuff that I've seen him do. Because, like I said, his work has like a very particular energy to it. Mm-hmm. It has a sort of like cheap, low budget kind of grit to it. Right. And episode one didn't have any of that. It was very, very cinematic. You can definitely tell they bumped up their budget a little bit or definitely the volume has evolved in because the effects were really good. I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, a little, bit of, a little bit of both. Just yeah. a, little, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's a much slower episode. It takes its time to unfold. The pacing is like... It's really kind of, you know, taking you through to where Boba has been from where he escaped the Sarlacc pit, which, by the way, getting the just picking him right from it, from yeah, yeah. Boba in the Sarlacc pit, getting that sort of point of view of him being in there, of how he escapes, like everything was just so well done. But it wasn't it didn't have that sort of Robert Rodriguez flair or that sort of Robert Rodriguez identity. So just my big thing, sort of my big takeaway was that. I think this was a sort of it was something different that I haven't really seen from him before, and I really enjoyed that. The way I look at it is, any director that's worth a damn has their own style that you mm-hmm. can recognize, you know. Yeah. And every director has it, and Rodriguez has a very specific style. And in this episode, yeah, it's un, very uncharacteristically Robert Rodriguez yeah. for, the, for this episode. But I still really enjoyed it, you know. And like you yeah, said, yeah, me too. I, that that doesn't. I'm not saying that I didn't like it. No, I, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. Star Wars is a playground. That's really what it comes down mm-hmm. to, especially on Disney Plus, nonetheless. So. I'm happy that these directors that we really like, that we grew up with, are kind of, you know, trying new things and exploring different visions and different creative ways. So I just I, I'm just really happy that he just had to take a different approach because I think it worked. No, no, I think it worked too. And and I I also really loved um after it was over, you were saying how much you just loved like this is one of the best like Star Wars live action things that you've seen so far. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's how much you love just everything that was on display, and I totally agree with you. Um, even though it doesn't have his style, I think it's still very much in I think the influence of Robert Rodriguez is there because you have, you know, there's a nice rooftop chase, which is very present in a lot mm-hmm. of Robert Rodriguez movies. But it's done differently. It's done differently. It's very it's, wide. It's, it's very a lot more. Um, obviously, it's a lot. It's it looks a lot more expensive, mm-hmm. a lot more parkour. It's not like because when you think of like Desperado, or like I said, like the mariachi films, it's probably is condensed between like a few yes. rooftops. <laughs> not like where this was more like city. Right. Full right. wide. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But uh, the other thing I think I noticed, too, was this first episode really set the tone for what the series is going to be like going forward and as we saw in episode two 
it felt the same. Like it felt very linear. Like, you know, it didn't feel like two different directors were handling two different episodes. Mm -hmm. It felt like just a continuation of, of episode one, which is what I liked. So this first episode really was establishing the tone, the style, the feel of what the series is going to be going forward. And I think it did it, you know, in spades. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Uh, something else that I absolutely love from episode one, piggybacking of what you were saying, we are now entering this sort of, you know, Dances with Wolves, Pocahontas, Cowboys <laughs> and Indians sort of motif that I imagine we're going to get throughout where we have these sort of indigenous people, these natives to a certain land that are now are accepting a sort of like outsider into their group. Right. You know, and at first, clearly, they find Boba. They didn't really care much for him. They tie him up. Um, the kids are being a shit out of him, which is <laughs> fucking hilarious. <Yeah. laughs> but towards the end of episode one, there's a little bit of like... I don't want to say respect because I'm going to get to that in episode two, which holy shit. Yeah. But there's a bit of like, okay, this guy's not so bad. Once he protects a little kid, which mm -hmm. is fucking Natalie yeah, from, uh, yeah. Yellow Jackets. from Yellow Jackets. We're going to yeah, get into yeah. yes. that. Uh, protects a little kid and kills a monster. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know who, I don't know what or who that monster was, but. It reflects what you were saying yes. about the <laughs> 50s sci-fi sort of flair. 100%. Well, yeah. at least the head. The, the head. I mean, even even the body too. The whole like, you know. Well, it's um, almost like it was like a swamp thing. It's like It was like a swamp thing concept art. That's what yes, it feels like. Yeah. Because the head is so, it's so 50s, 60s throwback. It it's feels like Creature like, of the Black Lagoon. Exactly. Like, or yeah. like, I can already see that creature coming in like a classic disc spaceship <laughs> yep. coming from outer space. Right. I can see the poster. Yeah. Like the paint. Hell yeah. I can see, I, can, I definitely picture that's maybe some like offbeat concept art from monster that they had earlier, early in the 50s or 60s or whatever. But yeah, they they kind of made it a little bit more sci-fi with with its physiology. It kind of moved like a centaur. It had yeah, six yep, arms. Yep. I, and, well, uh, I'll say too, do you think there was like some stop motion in there as well? Because like- I don't know. I think, you know, I, I feel like that this there show There was definitely does... some form of practicality, but- Yeah, like I think this show definitely blends the practical- um, stop motion to an extent and then also visual effects. And I feel like that this creature had a little bit of everything. Right, but the way he kills it, kind of inhaling his inner Princess Leia. When <laughs> Princess Leia kills yep. Jabba by choking it with the chain, he kind of does the same thing. And, uh, and you know, the little kid brings the head back. So right. the way these Tuscan Raiders are reacting to the head of this monster, it's almost like a trophy. Mm -hmm. So it's like, holy shit. It's almost like you think of like a basilisk from a Harry Potter or something. I don't right. know. But it's like this, this guy took down this beast, mm -hmm. took down this creature. And granted, they were they were fishing for like the little, um, the coconut, the milk, but the, the little milk balls. Oh yeah, the little milk, yeah, yeah. So I imagine, I'm the just gonna take melons. a, yeah, I'm gonna take a, a swing of the dark here that maybe those are found near those creatures. So I'm sure some of them probably die a lot. Right. When they're trying to get those black melons, they, you know, encounter those creatures and they die. So I'm just assuming that it, it was a big deal for them because mm -hmm. after that, there, even though it was one episode, Leading into episode two, their sort of view of him changed a little bit. They're like, okay, this is more of like a warrior, kind of more of like a uh, – I respect him a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit. Well, that's also why I love, you know, the uh, the leader of the, of the Tuscan Raider tribe, like just coming over and handing him the melon. Like, good job, man. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of the Elder, this is definitely a new look at the Tuscan Raiders because we have the traditional kind of like yellow, like the tan sort of wardrobe, all that stuff. These are more – these remind me again to talk about Robert Rodriguez. These remind me of like Predators, right? So the the Predators movie from 2010, I believe, yeah, 2010, um, which was produced by Robert Rodriguez. It, it reminds me a lot of that. It's a lot more tribal. Mm -hmm. It's got like more dark, um, 
it's got more of like a dark color, like more of a dark theme mm-hmm. to them, like the way they're wrapped up. Yeah, all like their um, robes and everything. Yeah, yeah, they have like the 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 main warrior and the tribe leader have like more kind of like like I said, more like kind of tribal or pieces of stuff on their masks, on their outfits. So Yeah, I mean that's it's it's really it's done in such a way where you could really tell like who is in charge and who's not just by how they're dressed. That's why mm-hmm. like the costume design is really well done with these guys. Yeah, and we get in episode two, we get the whole fact that there are different clans of Tuscan Raiders that mm-hmm. are all hiding. So um, that was one of the things I appreciated from the first episode was just a sort of new, this new look at these group of Tuscan Raiders. Because yeah. I'm sure there's going to be a whole bunch which we will get to throughout the series. But just seeing them as these sort of like tribal people, this main warrior, like that's what I said. When he first tried to escape, it was like, all right, you want to go prove yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like very old school, very ancient, so like different types of cultures of so like, all right, prove your worth, like death by combat. Yeah, whatever, yeah. You know? And let's see if you can hang. And if you could, good, you can leave. If not, you got to come back, you mm-hmm. know? And that's why I think um, I think these Tuscan Raiders, like this group, almost like their their thing is like definitely like power. Like yeah. You can hold your own. That's why I think after he killed the monster, it kind of changed their view of him a little bit. For sure. They're like, all right, like, yeah, he might have gotten his ass kicked by, I don't even know, what are we going to call him? Because this dude's fucking awesome. He, I don't know. Like, have have they by been... the warrior Tuscan? Yeah, the warrior Tuscan. You yeah, guys yeah, yeah. asking by yes, the warrior Tuscan? Yes. But he single handedly took out this creature that has probably been terrorizing us for a long time. So, like I said, love this new um, approach from Mar Rodriguez to the first episode. Visually, it was beautiful. Cinema, very cinematic. The actions was good, and just establishing this new look at the Tuscan Raiders and this whole new motif of like an outsider in like an ancient land. Yeah, no, for sure. And then the other thing too was even though this does focus more on what Boba went through after he escaped the Sarlacc pit, what we do get in the present is basically Boba Fett trying to take over Jabba's spot. Mm -hmm. And with that, you see all the conflict that's going to come and what's going to happen this season. Uh, there's the really good scene of him accepting the tributes from everybody, kind of coming to pay their respects and bringing, you know, different sorts of, whether it's money or some type of, um, just like, uh, just a gift, just, just like a gift. Yeah. Just like, yeah, yeah. A gift. Very, uh, very Don, you know, kiss the ring. Yes, exactly. You know, very, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, very Godfather. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Um, and then we see there's going to be a conflict with the mayor, with the mayor, not bringing a tribute. So that sort of starts to really play out in episode two and you know that's that's going to go forward even more and then you have boba and fennec kind of going out and kind of visiting these different like you know business fronts and you know introducing himself that he's now the guy in charge and then with that comes uh even more conflict when a group of assassins called the Nightwind try to attack him and that's where you get the nice uh, chase on like the roof and everything like that uh they do capture one and then this sort of goes into episode two as it opens up with you know fennec kind of bringing it bringing him back to boba there's this really great um, interrogation scene where they use the fake rancor that's not actually there to kind of get this Nightwind assassin to say that it was the mayor that. that and I got know, really excited him. because I thought there was actually a rancor. I right, know yeah. Luke killed the <laughs> rancor, but it could be another one. It could be. Who knows? But yeah, that the whole capturing the Nightwind is interesting because that is what f- makes us or kind of leads us to the mayor's palace because. Mm-hmm. The like you said, the night one kind of reveals the whole fact that the mayor sent him, which we still don't really know it's true. Right. And as a result, Boba and Fennec are like, all right, let's go visit the mayor. Um, something that I want to say off the bat is the cinematography for this episode. The reason I say this is because the cinematographer is fucking Dean Cundy. Yes. And I had no idea it was Dean yeah, Cundy. Yeah, Dean Cundy is a fucking legend. Dean Cundy is 
a cinematography legend. Yes. And like I said, these were things because I'm just weird and annoying and I, and I notice these things out, but the very specific framing and the very sort of composition that we got throughout the episode. And I didn't bother to look to who the cinematographer was because I was just, because that final sequence completely blew me away. Oh yeah. And I just had like this high and the second it finished, <laughs> I was just like losing my mind. I'm like, this is the fucking best show ever. <laughs> but, um, but actually, once I calmed down, once my boner kind of went away, oh yeah, uh, and we rewatched it a couple of times, I was like, "All right, I, that's right. I need to figure out who the cinematographer is." Yes, I asked you who it was. Oh we yeah, looked it up. It was Dean Cundey. Bro, give me some of Dean Cundey's credits. All right, so here's some of Dean Cundey's credits. If you guys don't know, the guy is an absolute stud. So he did all of the early Carpenter films from Halloween to Escape from New York to The Thing. Mm -hmm. Then he did Romancing the Stone. Back to the Future, Part One, Part Two, and Part Three. Small film that you made. Small, 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 small film films. franchise. You know, nothing big. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Hook, Jurassic Park, Apollo Thirteen, Casper, bro, Flubber, <laughs> The Flintstones. Like, come on, man. What women want? Like, this guys, a fucking stud. And it's <laughs> no, really, he's done. He's done so much good shit. Though. It's really funny too because when you watch documentaries on Halloween and and you know how it was made and how it was made for essentially nothing mm -hmm. and how it featured these. Two directors, both in um, it's Deborah, right? Deborah Carpenter and John yes, Carpenter, yeah, I believe so, yeah. Who weren't really well known. Jamie Lee Curtis was just a name at the point, mm -hmm. you know. And but their careers blew up from this little slasher from that flick, movie, yeah. yeah. And and we've talked about how the sort of horror genre has changed and how Halloween played a big role in that. Mm -hmm. So to see this now. It all made sense. Oh yeah, because like I said, it was it's those are like old school techniques. Oh yeah, of like again, we talk about how we have pe these people in charge who you know grew up in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Whether they grew up working there or they grew up admiring the work from those times, and it's very evident here. And those are the things that fucking that stand out to someone like me because yeah. I see them like, hmm, that's very interesting. That's very unique. Right. I like that. I like how it looks, <laughs> I like the composition, I like how it's framed, I like how it's balanced. I like the symmetry, the asymmetry about it. And, you know, it's because you have someone who wasn't around when digital really existed. Right, it was right. all film. You had to you had to capture it specifically. So your markings had to be very on point. And it's just one of those things that I imagine as a cinematographer who spent most of his career when digital wasn't around. It's just those habits that you can't break. Oh yeah, he's not, and that's why yeah. it's that's yeah. why it's it translates well to film nerds like us when you have someone like fucking Deacon or right, these like right. old school guys that just know what to fucking do. Dude, I mean, like I can honestly spend the next hour not even talking about the episode, just just all the influences because it's all it's all there and it's all on display, and that and that's why like I just love these shows because they really look at like how Star Wars was made in the 70s. And like, we're going to do that exact same thing here, but we're just going to use some of the newer technology to help us bring our vision to light. Mm -hmm. But they still have that approach of like, we're going to do as much practical as we possibly can. And we're going to take all these techniques that they did and we're going to do it here in some kind of aspect. And that's why like the show, I think just looks as good as it does and is as well done as it is. And it really is to me, the true successor to the original trilogy of Star Wars, because right. it just feels, it, it, there's just like a feeling that that this show captures that I don't think any other, whether it's the prequels or the sequel trilogy have really Well, the thing gotten. about Mando and Boba is that they, these two shows are essentially, you know, speaking to us as fans of the original trilogy because it's characters that we know from the original trilogy and they're blending in with something new. So they're mm -hmm. these sort of like world building shows, 
but it still has a lot of um, shit that we know and love. Like just the fact that it's on Tatooine, mm-hmm. that alone, I know. Like you don't really need much else. Right. You just you just have that fucking desert, mm-hmm. and then you have you know. You're not just that, but you're also in Jabba's palace. So right. if you're a massive Star Wars fan, you're someone who watch Return of the Jedi religiously. It, the second you see that, it, it's almost like a trigger. It automatically yeah. takes you back to it. So I do think that, I don't want to say Boba Fett cheats a little bit, but there's so many things in this show that almost immediately take you back to the original trilogy. For whether sure. it's Jawas, yeah. whether it's the Sand, mm-hmm. whether it's Mos Vespa. The Raiders. The Raiders, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, So it's it's very easy for you to um, sort of revert back to Star Wars that you know and love. Um, but like you said, it's it's modern. Mm-hmm. It's got a new take and we're introducing new characters and we're world building. You know, We've spent most of our um, um, original trilogy life on Mos Eisley and now we're on Mos Vespa and mm-hmm. we're experiencing these new towns these new establishments and we're seeing that maybe the work is better here because we got the keyboard blue alien right. who you know <laughs> yeah. who made his way over you right, know? right so um so it's 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 a lot of fun to see and yeah there's just so much good stuff from the uh, from the original trilogy but going back to the show itself going back to episode two like i said i really enjoy the interaction between him and the mayor um oh, yeah very... i'll say once we saw it, you're like you really like that scene yeah because yeah. it's it's again like it's those things where this whole show from that I've gone so far from episode one and two, it's all a power struggle. Mm-hmm. Right now, you literally have someone like Boba who's coming in and is trying to change the ways, and Fennec is clearly telling him, "You shouldn't do that. Right? You have like to. You, you gotta lead with fear. You gotta you lead, gotta lead with, with fear. Yeah. You gotta, you know, essentially assert your dominance, assert your presence. Maybe you should consider just doing it the the way it's been done for so long. Consider having a litter because right. when people see you being held up, it's like a sign of hierarchy and power and right, respect. Right. You know." And Bubba wants to walk on his own two feet. He wants to rule with respect. And it's like, all right, fine. You want to do that? That's totally but fine. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. tough, bro. But you know why he doesn't care? Because he's got a fucking army of Tusken Raiders in his back pocket. Exactly. Which we're going to yeah, get yeah. to. But he wants to do things differently. That's fine. And everyone is taking advantage of it. Everyone is like, okay, he only has two Gamorian guards. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a group of people around him. Like, let's test this, you know? And it's going, it's going to be a constant power struggle. And I think he knows that. So between the first and second episode, just the, the present day moments, seeing that struggle, I think it's really interesting to me. And seeing the way it's done, because for starters, Robert Rodriguez voiced the mayor. The mayor. And which, I think I think he might have been in the costume, too. Which would have been really not cool. Sure, but that'd be pretty cool, yeah. That'd be really cool. But... The way it wasn't the fucking eternal situation. You know me. I'm all about references. Right. I like to like give people references so you know what I'm talking about. But it's not like an eternal situation where we had a fucking um, like celestial, celestial yeah. who talked like someone's uncle. Yeah, exactly. You know, it like was some random dude. Some yeah. random dude, yeah. yeah. But there's the way like the voice was done through the translator. You can still hear some of the aliens like – Which I love, man. I think they did such a good job blending Yeah, they that. do that and they do the translation and it's very low and monotone to maybe imply fear or mm-hmm. maybe imply the fact that like I'm not trying to think myself bigger than you you know like I'm going to keep I'm going to be very low voice very cool like right. you know, I'm not, I don't want to like start any problems mm-hmm. so I'm just going to be simple and courteous and stuff and just a little advice that he gives them mm-hmm. you know bounty hunting is a lot easier than running a family right just like, fuck yeah <laughs> right back to Don Corleone I get the vision of fucking you know Alfredo and Michael sitting there like let me give you some advice don't ever ever go against the family it's like little things <laughs> yeah, like yep, that yep. that you it's it's literally like a Don situation that we mm-hmm. have here and I love to see it and he tells him like if you don't believe me go to Sanctuary and he and that's why he goes there right. because then he's like what's going on and that's where we get the info 
about the twins being back and that they want their territory. They want their territory. And that's right. when we get that incredible scene. Yes. And and the right off the bat too, man, I love how it just builds with the tension where you just hear the drums in the distance. And then all of a sudden you just get the two twins that, that come. Everyone goes quiet. Everyone goes completely Everyone's silent. Looking. And there right there is the fear. Exactly. That's the fear right, right. there. You know? Because you know that if you're carrying, if you have your litter, and you're announcing your your grand arrival. Right. Everyone stops what they're doing, and they either have to get their payment ready. Mm-hmm. They have to clean up. They right. have to make sure that they have to make sure that they're ready for whoever is going to come in. And deep down, they don't want that person mm-hmm. coming because they know they can possibly die. Right. You know, it can be a shit show. Whatever. So yeah, that's exactly that fear. And they all go quiet. They all look, and then you know who doesn't go quiet? You know who doesn't care? Fucking Boba. Yeah. He just goes out, big dick swinging, right. stands in front of him, stands center, and just went right wait. in yep. front of him. Yep. Okay. And we get. One of the coolest cameos <laughs> ever appearances. I forgot what his name was, which is Black Chrysanthemum. Black Chrysanthemum, yep. I had forgotten what his name was. I remembered him from the Darth Vader comics, the, the 2015 Vader comics, and the uh, Star Wars comics. I remembered him, but I forgot what his name was. So I just screamed, oh, it's the Black Wookiee! Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he looks tough as fuck. When you see him in the comics, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's, like, really cool looking. But to see him in live action, it's just, like, it's, like, they just know how to please us fucking Star Wars nerds. Do you know what else it was, too, about that? Because as soon as he comes out, you know, we get a little bit of slow-mo as he's walking toward Boba. And then there's this really awesome, like, pan on Boba itself. And then, but... The way it's done, the cinematography, but the way it's done just instills like some sort of fear. Not that I don't know if Boba is feeling fear in that moment, but I just got the sense that this guy's not to be fucked with, this Wookiee. Right. And I'm ready for this fucking showdown between Boba and this guy. Or, or it could be Fennec and, and this Wookiee. And Boba, gonna... no, and Boba calls him out too. He's like, I'm not some like sleeping Trandoshan warrior, bro. Like, right. he's essentially calling him a bitch. <laughs> yeah. He's like, your victories, like, they're like Jake Paul victories. Yeah. <laughs> fucking retired NBA, retired NBA players. Yep. Like, washed out UFC boxers. Like, nah, bro, I'm in my prime. Yeah. So, fuck you. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot more that I want to say about Black Chrysanthemum and who we can possibly see. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say that for, for we will come back around to that. But, uh, but yeah, like, those two, those couple opening sequences in present day before we went into the completely flashback episode were just, like, I thought so fucking well done. Yeah. Like, right from the beginning, I was so hooked. Yeah. And then the, uh, the other thing that I love with, with, with the huts was... The one brother had like this this weird creature in his hand, and he was using it to like sweat like, off his dab sweat. His sweat. I like, loved oh, it. Oh my god, I man. loved it. Uh, they just do such a good job making them the most disgusting fucking just, aliens like, around. Fat people. Yeah. And again, when you go back to the gallery, like there, when it comes to the Don, yeah. or these people in power, there's like a like almost like a gluttony aspect to it because they're just like these people sitting on their high chair, being fanned by big leaves, mm-hmm. being fed all the time. They don't give a fuck, so they just get fat. Yeah. You know, and that's and there's and they really they instilled that when we got um Bib Fortuna. Mm-hmm. We got this big fat Bib Fortuna on right, Jabba's right. throne. And then seeing the twins again here. And like, yeah, I noticed that too. And it's, it's just like you because you expect him to eat it, right? Yeah, that you was know? what I was expecting. Yeah, too. I was you like, expect I was him to eat, eat it, yeah. but no, he just uses it to wipe <laughs> yeah. himself down, like, and he's oh eventually going to eat it. I'm he's sure he's going to eat it, probably sweat too. Yeah. covered and shit. He's going to eat it. I also love um, too how the um, I guess the litter that they were on was bent. Yeah, you could see that it was bent. Yeah. These guys, these poor guys, carrying these guys are fucking yeah. dying, but you know they don't care because <laughs> yep. again, it's a sign of power. That's really that's that's who these two are. They could easily get sniped. Oh yeah, but they're not going to. Right, like no one's going to fucking do that because the last thing anybody wants is finding out that they were the ones who killed them. 
and then and then you God have, knows what happens. Yeah, who knows what happens after that? Right. But something else that was very interesting about that was the dynamic between the sister and the brother. Yes. You no, know, these two twins, like we said, they are Jabba's cousins. Mm-hmm. They want, you know, they believe that that belongs to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's again this whole mob aspect of yep, it. It's that like, they're no, entitled to it. That was my cousin's property. He's now gone. I'm going to take over it because mm-hmm. it stays in the family. Right. It's all it's about the. It's family. all about the family. All about the family. Um. And Boba's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, he goes, this is mine now. I don't care if the deed has your family's name on it. This is my fucking property He's like, I took it. It's now mine. Yeah, and the sister, and and like I said, the sister and brother dynamic, when she just wants to kill him right away, he's more like, no, let's, let's. He's also also more the talker too. And he's a smarter one. Yeah. Because like I said, you never, you can't like, when you, like, he knows how to run a family. Mm -hmm. That's why he said, it's bad for business. Yes. You know, it's very, like, very talented. (laughs) Like, no, no blush shit. It's bad for business. You know, so he's like, so he's gonna go back, and uh, he's gonna find out who if he has any family members, and he's gonna send some Tuscan Raiders a frozen fish, because oh, yeah. <laughs> he know what that means. You know what that fish. You means, know what bro. that means. You know what yes. that fish means. So he's more of like he he's definitely the smarter one, where mm-hmm. she's more like the impulsive one, and I'm really excited to see how that all plays out. Same man. And then this is just like a really small detail that I noticed, but I love how there's also some world building through the dialogue. Because when when Bob is told that the twins are coming, he's like, "No, that can't be." He goes, "The twins are on this other planet doing yeah. this, thing, dealing with this stuff." Yeah. But I just love those little details of just kind of just building out the world a little bit, and just like this um, this sense that of all that's going on in the galaxy, just all these different things that are happening at the same time. I, just, I love of, um, that these crime lords and these sort of like underbelly people that are associated with it mm-hmm. um hear shit they yes. know the rumors they hear the whispers yeah, they know what's yeah, going yeah. on right. so how it's all sort of connected right so basically that was what we got in terms of being in like the present of the book of boba fett and the rest of the episode takes place in the past more with the tuscan raiders and whoo yeah well we said there's so now, much good shit in this he's bro. now a little bit more accepted yeah into this 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 tuscan raider clan so he's being trained mm-hmm the uh, warrior Tuscan is training him. They're figuring out their things. Quickly into the flashback sequences, they get attacked by a fucking um, train speeder. A train, yep. Which was fucking awesome. Yeah. And again, just going back into that sort of Western influence of cowboys and aliens. Oh, yeah. Of like, you know, these... Um, cowboys and aliens. Yes, little John Favreau reference. Oh, I meant cowboys and Indians. <laughs> I meant cowboys... Oh, I forgot John Favreau did uh, cowboys yeah. and aliens. Um, which, like, like, just real quick, that's a movie... Sorry about the sirens in the background, guys. Um, but that's a movie that I thought was such a good concept. And I think the first hour of that movie is really good. And then it just falls apart into being generic as fuck. And, yeah. and I really... F- and they try to give you a good twist they with do, Olivia they, Wilde. They do try to give you a good twist. But... And and what's funny about that movie is after that, John Favreau did Chef. And if you guys have ever seen Chef, Chef is a big commentary. It gets very meta when it comes to his take on critics and how things should be done on artistic integrity. And I wonder if his experience on Cowboys and Aliens sort of led to him kind of stepping away from that kind of movie making. And then he did Chef and then he kind of became like this. I mean, he was already reeling in that MCU no, money. No, he, he, really, well, he really was. But, you know. <laughs> he had like, already done Iron Man, Iron Man 2. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, it's also funny because we always refer to John Favreau as the Don because that's what he is. Yes. He he's, he's the Don. <laughs> and the more he does these fucking cooking shows, yes. the more he becomes the Don. He becomes the Don, yeah. yeah. Um, he is but, the godfather that, of Star Wars. He is now. He really um, is. Between yeah. him and Filoni. 
they've essentially brought Star Wars back, and I don't know what's going on tonight. There's a lot either, of certain, there's, there's a lot, lot of crazy shit going on. A lot on. of sirens. But but yeah, I just I, it's it's just funny that you said Cowboys and Aliens because you know like Favreau is a guy who you know you could tell between him and Filoni like that's why these shows are as successful as they are, and they're the guys that are really bringing that influence into these shows. Yeah, it's all them. Yeah, it's all it's one hundred percent them between, and they're having fun. You could just they tell. Are. You could just tell that you know as like Mando season one was the experiment. Like Mando season one was a lot like Iron Man. It's like all right, we're gonna do this. Never really been done before. Hopefully it works. It works in fucking spades. Season two, you could tell the budget's bigger, but they still have that same integrity and they have so much fun. You could tell and that's that where they more, have a you lot can tell more, like yeah. season two is more of like the Felony influence. Yeah. So that's more of like, all right, like We're bringing the same aspect. Yeah, Favreau brought him brought in Felony for season one. And that's where Felony really learned mm-hmm. and kind of got his like dick a little wet. Yeah. And like how like live action stuff works. Right. And then he was like, all right, I'm ready to step up. Yeah. And then like between Bo-Katan, between fucking Ahsoka, between, you know, everything else that we Luke. get. Luke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, like you, you just know, you, you just see so much of the, um, of the Filoni influences in two more. So, but, uh, but yeah, these two, thank you. Keep doing your shit. Oh yeah. I love it. And I just love how like, this goes back to before Mando came out of how like, um, this was a celebration, actually. I was there. I yeah. It's very uh, vividly. Humble brag. Humble yeah, brag. humble brag. Humble brag. But in the panel, he talks about how he could just not stop writing. Yeah. So, like, him and Filoni were doing a panel. He's like, he's like, I started doing it. I just couldn't stop writing. Kept was, was, wasn't Favreau writing this, like, like, on Christmas? Yes, that's Is what that it was. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's like, Filoni was like, I got drafts, and there were draft dates from Christmas. And I'm yeah. like, what are you doing right <laughs> on Christmas? Like, celebrate. But whatever. They're having fun, and we're reaping all the benefits. Oh, yeah. But, um... But yeah, just like the big Western influence and not just like the Western influence, but like, I don't even know what influence this is, but like the whole like biker gang influence. Yeah. Um, because like we get like the, the, the Niktos, like yeah. the, the, these like aliens who are like these kind of like pirates who are these kind of like biker gang in like the saloon yes. just going in there being rowdy, doing their shit, you know? Yeah. And then comes in. Boba. Boba. Yep. You know. Ready to fuck shit up. Ready to fuck shit up. And again, this is more like we have like the biker gang influence and like the sort of like Western saloon influence. Yeah. Even the way the doors open. Dude, you know what's funny about that too is is I almost got the sense. I don't know why I thought of this, but if you ever seen a Bronx Tale, there's a really great scene in a Bronx Tale where all these biker guys kind of pull up to the, the mafia bar and they go in, they just start fucking around. And then you get maybe that's what I'm thinking. And of. then you get Chaz Palminteri who goes up to the door, locks, locks it, it, and then looks around, and says, "Now you can't leave." Yeah. So that's kind of the same vibe that I got. The and looks then on their faces. The looks on their faces. Hey. Oh, you again, huh? That wasn't very nice. Now he's gotta leave. I'll tell you when the fuck we leave. All right, get the fuck away. <laughs> <laughs> Now you just can't leave. I will never forget the look on their faces. All eight of them. Their faces dropped. All their courage and strength was drained right from their bodies. They had a reputation for breaking up bars. But they knew that instant they made a fatal mistake. This time they walked into the wrong bar. And then uh, just going off, this is a fun little Easter egg going off of Dean Cundy doing the cinematography. There's a Nikdel in that bar dressed like Biff from Back to the Future Part 2 with the metal helmet. And I'm pretty sure it's the same jacket. That's but amazing. I saw that right away. I was like, oh, this is awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. And it should be mentioned the reason he's there is because um, after the train speeder fucked literally everyone up. Right. Because like we said, he was training. A train speeder walked by. They all got shut down. So he was like, look, 
I'm, I'll fix this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, give me a rifle, give me a speeder, I'll right. be back. He's, he's, he's like, I'll help you stop I'll the help train. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes obviously to that saloon, takes out all those Nikto aliens. Um, and again, it was just, that's like, for me, I loved everything that we got in present day. Like I said, it was so well done. It was really like, I was like super captivated and intrigued. But it started to slow down a little bit for me. At that at that point. At that, at that point, moment, yeah. I was yeah. like, all right, what are, what's was like what's going on here? Come mm-hmm. on, like let's let's kind of get back on track. Um and the action kind of brought me back a little bit because the action in this episode is really well done. It's very it's, well I think done, yeah. it's better than in episode two. And the action here harnessed back to Boba and the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. where he's very brutal. He's using his fucking staff to like fuck shit up, right. and, like crack skulls. And he takes out that entire biker gang of aliens, steals all their speeders. And I just love how when he's done, he walks out. The bartender just cleans up. Yeah, just he just cleans cleaning. up his bar, <laughs> and that's again that's classic like Western saloon yep. style type of shit. And I just fucking loved it. And he takes the spikes back to the Tuscan Raiders mm-hmm. and teaches them how to ride. And at that moment, I'm like, "All right, did Filoni write this? Yes, because Filoni there is has a very clear. There's so many times between Clone Wars and Mandalorian where you have the sort of outsider teaching the indigenous people how to do modern day shit. Right. Or how to learn or something. Or work with new technology. Work with yeah. new technology. We got it in Clone Wars many times. There's actually a Clone Wars episode of um, Anakin, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Ahsoka teaching these like native people how to fight against like a robot army, mm-hmm. which is literally B for B, the same thing that we get in episode four. Of, of the Mandalorian of season Mandalorian, one, right? Yeah. Season yep. one. So... I was like instantly getting all these vibes. I'm like, hmm. I wonder if Filoni wrote this episode. He didn't. Obviously, it was Favreau. But uh, but but you you could tell that he obviously. I mean, even though Favreau's like writing it and he's credited as the main writer, Filoni's obviously like well, you know he's he's, he's he's there too. He's, you know? he's, he's yeah. definitely and he there also too. got partial directing credit for this episode. He did. So I'm sure he was definitely heavily involved. Yeah, so yeah. that's probably the 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 um, influence that I'm thinking about. But going back to like the old school vibe. That montage sequence of him training the Raiders how to ride the speeders, like like you said, it felt like something out of an eighties movie. It did. You it put really on did. some like eighties like workout track to yeah. it. It'll like be like eighty cents or something. Yeah, yeah, it'll be like something from Rocky, like yeah. or just anything about it. And I fucking loved it. Um, and then going from there, man, uh, once he teaches them how to ride, they come up with this plan on how to stop the train. And then we go into the whole stopping of the train. And this sequence is probably one of my favorite sequences in the in this entire run of Mando and Boba Fett. Because, you know, we talk about the influence and there's a massive Western influence. Like it's very 310 to Yuma-ish with them kind of going yeah. after this train. And I love the wide shot of the speeders going after the train because it's like horses chasing after it. You yeah, know, that's horses, exactly cowboys on horses. That's exactly what this looks like. And then just the whole sequence is just so well done from like an action sequence standpoint, how it's shot, how everything's choreographed with them getting on the train. Um, I love that the train is being powered by what looks like to be an old pod racing engine. That's what that's at least the vibe that I got of it. Uh, I'm kind of all over the place here, but like even the train conductor, which I know you love that character. I, love uh, I just this, love that sequence. This, I love this how stop it's motion yeah. that you know, and the way it's done, how it's edited, it's very kinetic and fast paced. And I just love how the the you know you see how very the robot stylistic, moves. you know, like very uh, stylistic. We're yeah. following, and we get this like 
like little quippy like music beats like, yes dun, 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 you know and then and we're zooming in we're zooming out and we're switching over here there's yes. a, there was like a lot of energy and style behind um every single time we were in that cockpit with that with that mm-hmm. little um train conductor but yeah i mean I'm, I'm with you it's just it was a really well done scene and i feel like because we were wondering because again our technical brains cannot like not not ask this question but it's like is that the volume right is that the volume like, are they on <laughs> are they on like a uh, a set are they on like on an actual built train set mm-hmm. and you just have the screens like whooshing past them to right. make it look like they're like they're moving you right. know what new tricks are they doing with the volume like what's going on here because I'm sure it's a, I'm sure it probably got a little bigger I'm sure it's like upgraded a little bit because you know they got some of that Mando money there's definitely a volume 2.0 going on exactly here, yeah. exactly well at this point it would be 3.0 it would be 3.0 yeah it got upgraded from for season two true true so at this point it'd be like maybe 3.0 or maybe the stage the stagecraft that, yeah well and then, that and we then got. the other thing too is is since since mando season two we know that because of the coronavirus a lot of major movie productions have gone through with the volume like the batman shot on the volume yeah you know? jurassic park and jurassic park shot on the volume yeah, yeah. so you, so obviously this thing is just going to grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger and it also sort of harkens back to it with who started a, John Favreau. Who John Favreau started. <laughs> and with this being a train sequence, it goes back to episode seven of Mandalorian where they're fighting kind of on the uh that big the that lava. Big, the big yeah, the big yeah, vehicle. Yeah. So it's 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 very similar. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's kind of the same thing where they just have like a built set that they're just kind of on and they're just kind of running on while mm-hmm. the volume is, is sort of around. But the, the thing that that because we can go talk about the volume all day, but what was different and unique and that I really loved because Again, going back to cinematography, there were so many times where it cuts open to a wide shot. Mm-hmm. So it's like obviously there were so many stuff that had to be filled in with CG, but it was so well done. And like, and it's just like I feel like we're we've gone agnostic about this, but you know we're entering this. It's all digital now. Like the yeah. world is digital. Yeah. That's, you know, unfortunately, practical effects are kind of making their way out. Um, especially like little side note: watching Spider Man Two today, all of that of Doc Ock's tentacles are like practical i know which which i like and there wasn't a single practical tentacle in no way home, in no way home which i to be honest it like, hurts i love i love no way home i do mm-hmm. but the fact that and this is a totally different topic that i don't want to get into but this is just kind of the state of movie making that we're in right now where it's just if it can be done in cg they're going to do it in cg and the boundaries for cg are going to be pushed it's, yes. it's, it's going to be it's going to be preferred to in cg because money how fast time can be done, yeah time everything yeah. so it's it's it was nice to see this like because we, we said that the, the beautiful thing about the volume is like you can really engage with it it's very immersive mm-hmm. i'm sure for actors they can uh, act I'm, against I, it i would think like actors i mean even oh even uh ewan mcgregor was saying how much yeah. he loves how he was the volume because screen. he wasn't on like a blue a blue screen or a green screen because right. as soon as you see that you get more immersed and you can just kind of play off of that more. And, and even like, you know, it's, it's funny too, because we always say how we don't want to get taken out of things and it doesn't take me out of it. But every time I see it, I'm like, oh man, the volume looks so good here. Yeah. Just, man, this looks fucking great. And you always wonder like, is that the volume? Is that the volume? Is that the volume? <laughs> it's, it's definitely shooting, the volume. Do you think that background's the volume? Yeah. I don't, I don't even but know. But the, the thing about it too is that, you know, with, um, with a lot of stuff like whether it's the MCU or other major blockbusters today, uh, a lot of the CG has such like a weightlessness to it and it looks fake. It looks artificial. Mm-hmm. Whereas with uh, The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett, being on the volume, it's like yes, all the background is is in the volume, but it's still a real photo. Like it's it's still real to an extent. And you get reflections. And That's get ref- the big thing. Yeah, it's the you lighting. get reflections. The lighting. All lighting, yeah. and then you know that everything around them, whether it's the ground or the rocks or things like that, like a lot of that is real. So it's so it still has like that feeling of of realism to it. Yeah, exactly. But what I was just saying before we got into that long winded conversation, oh, yeah. is is that um, 
like, yes, we're probably in these tight sort of volume shots, but then we get constant shots where we're shooting, when we're going wider, right. aerial, and it's just like every, the way everything was done, it was almost done like seamlessly, mm-hmm. and it was just done so well. And just like the action, the stunts, that whole fucking sequence, I just absolutely love. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And sort of going on the influence of this episode as well, like we said, Dances with Wolves, 310 to Yuma, but also to Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia, I think, is all over this episode. And especially like with Piero Tool's character sort of coming to, you know, a strange land and sort of learning the ways and kind of getting involved in the culture. Like this to me is Lawrence of Arabia to the fullest, and especially with the train stuff too. Like, so that's that's just like I, and I love Lawrence of Arabia. It's one of my favorite like classic movies. And I just <laughs> yeah, see that forever. I know. It's a long ass movie too, but you just see the influence of that movie all over this episode. And I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, and the big cherry on top. Yes. We get a really cool <laughs> character reintroduction. Mm-hmm. The Pike Syndicate yep. is out here running Spice through Tatooine. For who? Why? From where? Did they get it from Rafa? Did they get it from Trace? Who knows? Did they get it from Kira? Who knows? But um, <laughs> but I just... It, it was exciting. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, it's a fucking Pike. Like, I did not have that excitement when I saw them in... Um, in solo, I right. do not fucking care, <laughs> not care one bit. But seeing them here again, remembering of Bad Batch, like when we saw them there, remembering from when we saw them in Clone Wars season seven, like the Pike Snicket is fucking out here, and we're already wasting no time. Like I know we got the Trandoshan Warrior in episode one, so we're probably gonna get Bosk at some point, right? But like wasting no time of bringing these characters from other medias mm-hmm. you know bringing bringing them from like all right yeah like let's get the pikes in the game oh, yeah. right away and boba again just putting his fucking dick on the table and saying like no we're not uncivilized people we're not dumb we're not these like fucking just native people you can ignore if you want to run through this desert if you want if you want to run through the land of these people you have to pay something right. you have to pay us right and like all already establishing, you know, this sort of like we keep saying it, but yeah. this Don sort of mentality, like that's kind of like starting to come into play of, yeah. of him running this family that is the Tuscan Raiders and their sort of like and their their properties or lands, how how people are going to pay tribute, mm-hmm. what do you have to do. So like, well, he's also kind of teaching like you guys need to stick up for yourselves a little bit. Yeah, you know, like this this land belongs to you, and you need to fucking own that shit. Well, that's the whole Dune reference too. Yeah, yeah. Friend. Like, oh, Dune is Dune is also in this episode it's the friend, too. No, because that's the whole like again, Dance with Wolves, Cowboys and Indians. Mm-hmm. Like these people know that land better than anyone you know but they're not going to face off against the cowboys because they have guns we well have that's why guns. i love he's like, he's like these off-worlders have machines yeah it's like well no. now you have machines you have too, machines too yeah. and the whole fucking like satellite which like now you have machines now you can stand up for yourself all you need to do is learn a little bit and you have the upper hand because there's a bunch of you all over the place you're all hidden you mm-hmm. know this place better than anyone you know how to get the upper hand on anyone so like boba is now teaching them these ways and essentially making them more powerful. Oh yeah. And by making them more powerful, he's making himself more powerful. That's why that's why I, I just love his whole confidence and his whole swag in these first two episodes. Because now it's clear to me that if anything goes south, he has a fucking army of Tuscan Raiders in his back pocket. Ready to can, go. That he can call to. <laughs> yeah. And they're gonna come to fight. Yep. And I can't fucking wait till it happens. Yes. Well, because if you think about it, he spends a good what five years with them, right? Because when, yes. when he comes out of the Sarlacc pit, he gets captured by them, and then we know that I there's... mean, I don't know how much time has passed between season one and two of Mando, but right. season one starts off five years after Return of the Jedi. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so now we know he's he spent all that time with them. So yep. he's 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 one of them at this point. Yeah, and I'm sure we're gonna get the scene where he uh 
after like we're probably gonna, oh we'll, we'll get into this. we'll get into okay this. We'll get into this. but <laughs> following that whole situation when he where the pikes can now have to pay their 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 toll got to pay the toll troll yes you know which to, uh, and then you also sent that that video that really shows that that is a nice callback to what was it episode five of season episode one of five the gunslinger yeah and he talks about you know we have to you know we you know, basically pay to get through yeah and when that's, he's when with that's that, like uh, that's where it started when he's out with that bounty hunter douchebag <laughs> Which is, uh, he's like, yeah, we. If you want to pass through here, you got to pay, you know. So give him like your binoculars or whatever. And yeah, that's um, that's clearly being passed down through different Tuscan Raider clans. Like right. they now know what their worth is. They're like, look, this is our land. You want to come through here? Fine, but you better fucking pay me something. Yeah, right? exactly. I'm not gonna let you pass. Yeah. for free. I pay the toll <laughs> troll. Um, and then here we get super cowboys and Indians fucking dance with wolves, fucking Pocahontas, you name it as fuck. Asian people with the whole white man, even though Tamora Morrison is not a whole white man. <laughs> with far the, from it. With the outsider taking some ayahuasca. Yeah. Becoming, some peyote. Some peyote, <laughs> becoming one with Mother Nature, becoming one with the land. Some fucking Last Samurai Tom Cruise type oh, of shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and it was just so good. Just like – You oh. kept saying how from here to the very end is your favorite stretch of the episode. Okay. I'm, I might be, I might be <laughs> you know, talking just from excitement and high right now. Um, but the the last what like twenty minutes of episode two mm-hmm. are are probably going to go down to some of my favorite live action Star Wars yeah. like ever. Right. I, I, for some reason, I'm just so obsessed with the, this stretch of scenes. So, you know, just Boba like losing his dad, becoming essentially an orphanage. We the way we essentially grow with him in all his adventures through Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, him kind of start making a name for himself. Um, we don't really get much of him in the original trilogy, but he becomes a fan favorite instantly. Right, dies off right away. Everything he's been, everything he's been through, and and now like it's just it just it, he hasn't had it easy. No, he hasn't, and it's funny too because everything that he's built up to that point when he falls in the Sarlacc pit, then it just kind of all goes out the window, and he sort of is reborn, kind of through here through well, the Tuscan yeah. Raiders. But I also saw it as a way of like you now know your worth. Right, you now know who you. Are like mm-hmm. this is who you are. You are Boba Fett. That's oh, why, like, that's a good way to look at. That's it, why yeah. when he's crawling through the sand, he's having his visions. He's flashbacking like between the suit, mm-hmm. between him. Right. He sees Topoka City. The shots of Topoka City between Episode One and Two fucking kill me because <laughs> it literally just got destroyed in Bad Batch, and I I'm a big Genosis sucker. So um so um not Genosis. I'm sorry, uh, Camino. Yeah. Seeing, and you're still not over it yet either. No, I'm not. I can tell I'm, you're still not over I'm it. Not, <laughs> still not over it. Still not over it. But like, yeah, like all the shots of Poker City are, are just beautiful. All the shots of the slave. I don't know where the slave is. Like, I'm, uh, Yeah, where the fuck's the slave I, at? I don't know. We'll, we'll get it at some point. But um, but yeah, like he now knows who he is. He now knows his path. He now mm-hmm. like he now has like a family, really. He has like a group of people because the bounty hunters, like, they don't care. They don't yeah, trust yeah. each other. Right. It's all like a fucking It's business. all cutthroat. Exactly. And, yeah. So he doesn't care. But now he's being accepted into this new group of people. They know how much they, they know how how valuable he is. And like, they're like, go, my son. Like, be one with Mother Nature. Right. Be one. Your favorite movie, Avatar, Awa. <laughs> like, be one with Awa, with the tree. You know, it's like all, in, that's all indigenous No, people. it is. Yeah. 100%. You know, so it's like, it's all going back to it's just like well, it's because Avatar is Pokemon, so I mean, exactly yeah. <laughs> it really is. So just like the whole sequence of him finding his way, and I think the tree is so fucking metaphorical because like you're in a desert planet where you don't see plants, where you don't see any like organic 
sort of like natural elements. Yeah, so he's like, dead, you know? Yeah, so this tree is like, like I said, like Ewa. It's like this mother tree that I'm sure only few can go to, like only few can trek. And if you're really strong enough, you can trek back. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's this whole just sort of like spiritual, just like beautiful journey that they're now incorporating into Star Wars. And not just Star Wars, but like the whole culture of the Tusken Raiders. Like, yes, oh yeah. They're just making the Tusken Raiders like situation this whole new thing that we can explore that we can dive into well, and I, i'm all in well, you know what? I'm, I'm actually really happy you said that because you reminded me that's why i love that line from from the pikes where where they were like we thought you were just savages and yeah. i feel like that that's more of a meta line as opposed to everybody else because you know you see them in in a new hope and you that's just how that, everyone that's how everyone sees yeah. them just these savage these uncivilized savages, like like people don't really know shit right kind of dumb right so that's you know? that's why with mandalorian and now even more so book of boba fett like just the whole reimagining of who the tuscan raiders yeah. are and what they mean to the star wars franchise because, yeah because even when like uh excuse me even when like the tuscan leader was like he had his head down he's like oh yeah like you know but they have machines mm-hmm. like there's nothing we can do like you know so they almost kind of beat themselves up a little bit too right, they almost right. think themselves as like lower than them mm-hmm. and but i was like nah bro you got the numbers you know the land right you're the fucking fremen right <laughs> like okay you fremen are gonna take out fucking um, the off these off-worlders these off-worlders but what are they called the um the Avatitas people Oh, the Harkonnens. Oh, yeah. You're going to take them all the out. Harkonnen, you know? so, yeah. The Harkonnens, yeah. And I just love that whole fucking sequence. And then, long and behold, he gets his branch. Mm-hmm. It's a good branch. It's a good branch. It's a good branch. It's a good, nice, I'm nice sure, big like, branch. I'm sure when he came back, um, I'm sure they were like, oh, that's going to be a good galaxy. <laughs> but just how everyone was excited to see him come back. Yes. You know, so again, it, it's especially, only been, especially that little kid. It's only been two episodes. But, you know, just the whole dynamic shift that now these people are also experiencing Mm -hmm. and how much they actually kind of really appreciate him. And they're like, all right, bro, you made it. You're one of us. Your initiation process is over. Like this whole, um, you know, frat house hazing is done, you know, whatever. And he gets his fucking, I don't know, his robe. His robes, Whatever you want to call it, his fucking robe. (laughs) And we get some like Ennio flavor music. Oh, that we do. Some very Western type of Ennio Morricone music. You know what's funny too is that that it's very Western, but it's also a blend of samurai as well because just the way the robes look feel like a samurai to Mm -hmm. me as well. Yeah. And yeah, then we get the whole building of the stick, which is somewhat- Like build your weapon. Like build your weapon, which is somewhat of a nice mirror to Jedis when they build their lightsabers. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of very much the same thing. It's, it's, It's almost like very- in being with the kind of Star Wars culture, mm-hmm. so to speak. And then <sighs> this fuck, I am obsessed. Obsessed. With the dance around the fire. With the dance around the fire. This like initiation dance with the drums and the music. And I love how it just starts off with like him and the warrior. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's like shows him his gaffy stick. The leader's like, okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. I like it. Like, show us what you got. Yes. And he starts doing his dance, and it's just both of them around the fire, and then people get hyped. They're like, fuck yeah. Because this is a culture, bro. Right, It's like, there's a fucking religion to them. So seeing them hyped and seeing people slowly join and, like, also just kind of shows of how he's being accepted now into this group Mm -hmm. of circle, into this, like, group of... um, Tuscan Raiders and the music and again the cinematography when it pans out like I was saying when I was talking about composition and balance and the framing we get like you know this very central shot of like kind of like a very central circular shot of them dancing around the fire as it pans out and like oh like the second that thing that episode finished I was hyped yeah it's like run it back I was ready to put my head to the fucking wall (laughs) I was so hyped I loved it well the other thing I want to know too is is Tamora Morrison obviously I want to know how much of his 
heritage is has been sort of ingrained in the Tuscan Raiders. Like, I wonder if there's any well, influence so that's come much into has, that. He's brought so much influence to that's, it. That's yeah. what I mean. And I, and I kind of love that. I love that they kind of look at him. And that's how much they value, I think, him as an actor and being a part of this franchise. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're going to take your culture and we're going to infuse it into your show. And I exactly. fucking love that. It's exactly. so cool, and, man. And, when you, and he t- for the people who don't know, he talks about this in the gallery of how, you know, he feels the way Boba moves. It's like almost like doing like a haka the dance. haka, yeah. You know, not, not just the way he moves, but the way he uses his weapons And the way too. he fights, yeah. And like, like, Kai's breath, Kai's the fire. And it's like it's like fire breath. And it's very like intense and and like very specific movements. And this in a way was a haka dance. Yes. Like these Tuscan Raiders Absolutely. were doing like a fucking hot like a haka dance. And I just love like when you see his face, he's like got the teeth grinding, he's yep. like all in it. And that's a fucking real haka dance. Okay. Uh, yeah. When he does it, when Jason Momoa does it, not the bullshit rock thing that he does. And <laughs> what was that? Fast and Furious like six was uh, oh no uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, yeah. He's got the, the the soccer team. Yeah. It's such a cringe worthy because the rock is a salesman. He's a showman. He's just he's just He's just selling. He's like feeding off of his like. <laughs> all of a sudden, he's all like Samoan. All yeah. of a sudden, you know, like all of a sudden, he's like diving into because because diversity sells, bro. Yeah, diversity. Diversity sell. sells. So that's like, true. He's like, I'm a businessman. I gotta dive into this. Yeah. Like, when he was doing it. I'm like, fuck out of here, Rock. <laughs> I love you, but your haka, your haka is bullshit. I don't buy it one second. Whenever Momoa does it, like I buy the intensity. Yeah. And again, Momoa brought that to Cal Drogo. He did. You yeah. know, so seeing. Um, Seeing tomorrow Morrison bring that to Boba, like I just I, I'm obsessed with that. I can watch that little dance sequence on repeat, on repeat for like yeah, an yeah. hour. I love and that. that and that basically wraps up episode two, man. And and, and you know what? And the music, man, so good. The drums, yeah, and, yeah. Like, I mean, because well, oh, you have you have so uh, you have Ludwig's score with with the intro, and I, and I only found this out when we were watching the credits that he only did the intro, and then I think everything else is kind of by his. Did understudy. he do the outro? T- you mean the outro? The, 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 well, I guess it's the outro. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's basically Boba's theme music, credits. which I'm fucking obsessed with i'm obsessed i've listened to that music non-stop and again Ludwig, again you have these right people involved when Ludwig did black panther he went to like africa for a couple months mm-hmm. and he learned their culture their instruments how it works and here too these are like haka chants right these are like the breath yes. the chants of these people as a very like kind of like indian drum vibe so i love how he's bringing you know again these sort of influences into just the music right but and well i forget the guy that's actually doing the score what, what his name joseph is. shirley joseph shirley yeah. yeah joseph shirley i think is an understudy of ludwig because ludwig ludwig and hans actually well, i was reading up on them he's oh, okay study, yeah he's well, understudy of ludwig and hans oh and hans nice yeah. well i mean with like ludwig is busy right now because he's got uh black panther wakanda forever and then he's doing christopher nolan's next movie which hasn't started shooting yet but um you know he's just a guy that's very in demand right now so i'm sure he probably wasn't available to do all the episodes for the book of Boba Fett, and then he's also probably working on Mando season three as well. I'm actually to be to be honest, I, I don't know Ludwig at all. Yeah, but I felt like this this needed a new this needed a new voice. I yeah. don't think I I'm happy Ludwig's not doing it. Yeah, yeah, because I do think like you add a life to the Mando to the Mando show, mm-hmm. let someone else add life to here because yeah, I yeah. also don't want to get too like. Well, too like repetitive, it's a repetitive, you know? repetitive and then have the same kind of exactly, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I feel Because, you know, composers, for all intents and purposes, do kind of have like their template. And yeah. There's little bits of flavor in, in their own music. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I love what, the, what he did with the outro. I'm with you. But, like, I'm happy that we have this new sort of voice coming here to try to bring life to uh, to the Pope show. No, yeah, for sure. But um, just kind of piggybacking off of that with, with episode two, I feel like episode two, like, just as, as it is on its own, especially once we get to the flashback scene, that's like a great short film. Like that, like I'm, I'm super satisfied just throughout that. These whole two back thing. to back are 
I'm not even kidding. I've already watched it a couple of times. Yeah. Like just back to back are just so fucking good. It's really I'm good, like, man. I'm like, I told you, I, I'm not gonna lie. I was worried. I was, and I don't know how things are gonna play out. For I know it can go to shit, but I was worried because of Robert Rodriguez. And mm-hmm. the reason I brought up the whole how it's very uncharacteristically of him, because as much as I love him, as much as I am, you know, I'm a huge fan of his movies. You know, you what was the most recent thing he did? Alita. Uh, Alita was his last thing, and then I think he did like a Netflix thing, which was like right, which is in the vein of like Shark Boy and Lava Girl. You know what I mean? Right. Like very, oh, low yeah, bu- yeah. very low budget. <laughs> Pedro yeah. Pascal. Yeah, Pedro Pascal. Yeah, no, yeah. actually, that's yeah. I actually enjoyed that movie. Oh, lie. you saw it? Yeah, I oh, did. Okay, so, nice, yeah, nice. that's all the. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Of course, my brother was like, "Why the fuck are you watching this?" <laughs> but um, no, but it's that again. Mm-hmm. That style, the Shark Boy and Lava Girl, the Spy Kids. Like yep. he has a certain identity. But then, like him. Alita, I feel like was was probably the first thing he did that really wasn't like. What you expect from Rodriguez's movie, well, right? Because there's a higher budget. You know Cameron, why? Cameron was That's behind what it was. Yeah, Cameron James Cameron, was, the Cameron, Cameron was, influence. The camera and Cameron was pushing the the VFX. Yes, Cameron so he was the like VFX, yeah. Robert Rodriguez was essentially his guinea pig. Yeah, basically, and he's like, I'm gonna let you like try this yeah. out, work with these new techniques that have been coming. Yeah, out. and I'll be honest, I really like Alita. Alita's, yeah, I, Alita, I, like, I like Alita. I mean, like I have I have issues with it. I, yeah. I definitely do. Alita's like, some, a fun some of the script movie. is a little eh, but well, that's thank you. Yeah, here here you go. Because did he write Alita? I don't know if he wrote it, but. For all intents and purposes, as much as I love Robert Rodriguez, his movies are very hollow. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, okay. <laughs> there yeah. are, you know, yeah. there's not a lot of meat to them. Yes. There's not a lot of, um, it's mostly spectacle, mm-hmm. you know, and, and fun and, and entertainment. Fun, yeah. And he, and the stories, he, definitely, he definitely loves to be campy. And the stories aren't necessarily the greatest, right. so to speak, you know, uh, and something that's very interesting too is Robert Rodriguez, for the most part, edits all his movies. Yes, he does. So, you know, this is he was just directing, but he's a showrunner on this, so he's running the entire. Yeah, he's he's one of the producers. As well. yeah, yeah, so he's yeah. he's he's running the show. Uh, so I was that's what I was worried. So I'm like, I don't want to go into this because even episode six, there is like a certain. I don't know if it's just because it was shot in location, but that episode stands out in regards to like the Mando identity. Mm-hmm. That episode stands out a lot. It feels different. Yeah, it, it feels, feels a lot very different. different. Yeah. And, and it's like we said, it's, it's that sort of like low budget gradiness that he brought to it. Mm-hmm. It just feels like its own thing. So I'm like, I don't know if seven episodes of this is going to work. Right. So I was a little worried going into it. I was hoping for the best, obviously. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when I saw his first episode that he directed, I'm like that was nothing like I've seen him do before, right? You know, and obviously it's because he has other people who are editing the thing, well, that, and other that people too, who yeah. are writing it, and it's just it's. I really hope it plays out well, but from just these two episodes, it looks like it's a really good collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. So I'm really happy to see how uh how how it all pans out. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. And the other thing is is the show going into it, it seems like that they all sat down around a table and figured out what vision they want for the show, how it's going to look, how it's going to feel, how it's going to sound, kind of like we were saying at the beginning of, the beginning of this episode. Um, but yeah, man, like I'm, I'm all on board with this. I can't wait to see what happens with, you know, episode three and four and five and six and seven going forward. Like I love this whole just world. Like I am absolutely obsessed with the Mandalorian and now this show and you know, this being the first spinoff, like I, w- I was with you, man, like, you know, you, cause you never know how it's going to turn out. Hopefully it turns out for the best. But then when I saw that it was Favreau and Filoni, and then a lot of the directors from the Mando series are not going to come over here to do this stuff. I'm like, I, I was just, you know, I, I really just knew that this was probably going to play out. Well, right. I would have been shocked if it failed. All right. And now it's time for speculation, speculation. time. <laughs> um, 
there's a lot of rumors of what characters we could possibly see in the show. There's rumors in the Twitter sphere. There's also a rumor that you haven't heard about. Oh boy. That I, that I found out. How, how long are we in right now? Um, Is it going to carry on another fucking half hour? Well, let's, let's make sure we, we, we cap it. Let's, okay. let's not go nuts. Let's not go nuts. All right, now. All right. Cause we're over an hour. I'll say that. Okay. <laughs> make my nut. Well, we also have been away for a while, so yeah, but anyway, I mean, we haven't done this in a while. You if know. any loyal listeners are like, they're, hopefully they want they want a little longer yeah, yeah. episode. Put it this way: the Spider Man episode was three hours long, and it was one of our most listened to episodes. Well, I feel like whenever you guys do like the joint stuff, it works. Yeah, out. usually the joint stuff. Yeah, work out well, yeah, yeah. But still, all right. So, who are you expecting to see in this? Okay, so the one seed that I planned in your head, and I'm gonna be really disappointed if because I don't want you to be disappointed, is Cad Bane. Okay. I could definitely see Cad Bane popping up, whether it's the Fets that hire him or the mayor. Uh, it just feels like this is the perfect moment to bring him into the live action landscape. And from Bad Batch, he knows Fennec. He does know Fennec. Has a little tussle with Fennec. Mm -hmm. So it just feels right that they would bring Cad Bane into here for one. I, and I don't think he's going to be in for the show a lot. I think he's going to be like a one episode, like guest star kind of thing. Right. Comes in, does what he has to do, and then he exits. But I feel like it's the perfect time to bring Cad Bane here. All right, here we go. Okay. Um, Filoni's writing episode six, yes. which is the second to last episode. Yes. If anybody knows from Game of Thrones or any other show that they watch, the second to last episode is always a heavy, is a fucking hitter. It's a heavy, it's episode, a heavy yeah. hitter. You know, episode six of season one of Mandalorian was huge. That's when we get Moff Tarkin when he comes in. That no, was, you, you're, that, thinking, you're thinking seven. Oh, so, yeah, yeah second to last. Well, it's the always second a second to last, to last episode. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that was yeah. when Deborah Chow did. Yes, yeah, which was fucking huge, and it was awesome. Frazier um, shot it, shot it. Oh, Greg Frazier, the. The uh, fucking the Mando face reveal mm -hmm. in episode seven of season two. Now the second oh, to last episode, there's always there's second to last episode like, of season two is amazing too. Always shit yeah. goes down like yeah. it's, it's a heavy hitting episode. Filoni's writing episode six here, mm -hmm. second to last episode. Filoni created Cat Bane. Uh huh. There is an unaired for the people who don't know. The dent in Boba's helmet was from Cat Bane, unofficially canon, right? Like, unofficial canon because. The, there was an unaired episode of Clone Wars that never happened where Cat Bane and Boba have a standoff. What? Yeah. They was, have it, was, a standoff. was it actually like animated and it they was, just didn't air it? You can probably find it online. Can you really? Yeah. It's Holy like a, shit. You can find like the rough animation. Why'd they cut it? I don't know. They say why? Fuck. Yeah. That's they, awesome. They had to do it. But you can, you can definitely find like the rough animation online. It wasn't fully rendered. Okay. Um, but they have like this cool Western style standoff, you know, wide frame, mm -hmm. eyes zooming in, all this stuff. And obviously, Cabin has a quicker draw, and he shoots Boba in the head, and that dent is from Cabin's shot. Oh man! It never made it to it never made it to light of day, so I'm not gonna be upset if it doesn't happen. But if Filoni is writing Episode Six, I can definitely see some of that come to life. Yes. Where now it's almost like a redemption shot, where he can now bring in Cabin, mm -hmm. and he loves Cabin. I love Cabin. The fans love Cabin. We've seen what they can do with practical effects. I definitely think they can pull it off. There's no fucking part of me that doesn't think they can not pull off this character in I totally action. Do, yeah. I think he can look great. I've just based on what I've seen in these two episodes, I definitely think they can, they can do it. And you know, it'd be nice to get that sort of history. Like last time I saw you, you shot me in the face. Yeah. You know? Oh boy. And maybe this time, Woo. maybe this time Boba gets the upper hand. Right. Maybe this time Boba has a quicker draw and mm -hmm. he wins the fucking duel. Whether Cat Bean dies or not, who knows? But I can I can totally see 
why Cabin would show up. I do because Filoni has said this, said this at Nauseam. He only brings in characters if he thinks there's a point, right? If there's like a real worth to it, mm-hmm. you know. That's why he brought Ahsoka. Through her, we learned Grogu's name, and that led us to Tython and all this other nonsense, you know. So, I can definitely picture him sitting down and being like, "It would make sense to bring in Cabin because either the Huts." You know, or hide right. him because we can get some backstory or whatever. So I can definitely picture Cabin coming in. For sure. Mm-hmm. The other person I think could come in is Kira, Amelia Clark from Solo, because she obviously has well, she's is she leading Crimson Dawn at the end of Solo? Because obviously there's we don't know like really what happens with well, Solo. Well, Darth, Darth Maul, Maul comes is in. kind of like taking over of all the syndicate, all the crime lords. Right. And, yeah, but um but she's kind of in play. And then we know through her history, if like, I didn't even know what her history was. And I looked it up and she has this whole thing where she tries to, you know, take out Palpatine, which was, which sounds crazy, but there's a whole like syndicate war apparently. So she has connection with the Pikes. Right. Yeah. And which we saw in which Solo. Which you see in Solo, hundred mm-hmm. percent. So yeah. it would definitely make sense to have her come in here as well, just because of, you know, the, the sort of connections that she has. And I don't know. I know, all I'll yeah. say is that I don't think so because she would be a lot older. She would. Because as, yeah. as soon as I thought that, I was like, oh, that'd be cool. And then I told you and you're like, bro, she'd be like, she'd be like seven years old. She would. Sure. This yeah. is like at least 15, 15 years after Solo. Right. At least. Yeah. Um, she'd be old as shit. Yeah. She would Which be like they, like they would have to age up Amelia Clark if they were going to bring her back. Yeah. Yeah. And she's busy with Secret Invasion. Just. So I don't know. Just. I would love to see her back. I miss Amelia Clark. I know. I do too. I really do. Like, yeah. I watched an interview with her recently and I'm like, oh, I fucking miss this girl. I watched her for so long and then she just fucking she like. Dis- been and then she just disappeared. Um, Wasted opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another person that I think is probably going to come in is uh, Bosk. Mm-hmm. I think I'm not sure if he's confirmed or not, right. but I'm almost confident, like 100%, especially with all the Trend Ocean shots that we're most likely going to get Bosk. Right. Well, the other character that, because you mentioned the Darth Vader comic, mm-hmm. who's that one character that could also come in as well? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm so happy you brought this up because yeah. I had it. Yeah. I was going to talk about it. We're doing scissors right now, scissor yeah. bros. Um, <laughs> By the way, I'll tell you after. Okay. But Jeremiah auditioned for The Matrix. What? I just, I just found out about oh it. Oh yeah. my God. And now I really have to listen to that. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to talk about it and I had forgotten. Um, I, that was the whole Black Chrysanthemum yes. um, loop around that I wanted to talk about. Right. Okay. So, like I said, Black Chrysanthemum, the big black gladiator Wookiee that we got in, um, in this episode, he has obviously ties into Boba. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a little relationship in the comics. Uh, he has a scar in his face, which I didn't notice a scar. I don't know if maybe he healed it or what, but this is a fun fact. Do you know about the scar? I don't know about the scar. Okay, no. cool. You're going to like okay. this. You're going to like this. So um, he had like a trademark, like long scar that went down his face. Mm-hmm. You know who we got it from? Obi-Wan. What? So while he was in Tatooine, um, there was this big scuffle with like, you know, Uncle Uncle Ben gets like, uh, Uncle Ben. <laughs> I got no way home on the mind. <laughs> Uncle Owen. Uncle <laughs> Uncle Owen gets like kidnapped, um, and obviously Obi Wan is their protector. Mm-hmm. So he goes and he has a big scuffle with Prakrasanthan, and he slashes him across his face, and he gives him uh, the scar. So yeah. that becomes like that becomes like a like a Kenobi thing. Yeah. Like he knows who gave him that fucking scar. So after that, he starts working for Doctor Afra. Um, Doctor Afra is a character that was introduced also in the Vader comics. Um, she's kind of this like scavenger, mercenary, junkie kind of person who has a big relationship with Vader and has become like a big fan favorite. She's kind of like an anti-hero, kind of toes okay. the lines between like good and bad. Right. She's kind of more just does what she believes is right. Mm-hmm. And I, and there's been a, a huge like clamor to bring her 
to like give her her own show, to bring her into a movie or mm-hmm. something. Like people want it. Right. The people, it gets the people going. Right, right. So that I, I'm not going to say it's going to happen. I don't want to get my hopes up because it's a bit of a long shot. But the fact that they're introducing Black Chrysanthemum automatically ties them into all these characters from the comics. Right. And the big main one that a lot of people love and want to see is obviously Dr. Um, Dr. Afra. So if they do find a way to bring her in here, because she, she would still, I mean, she'd be, I mean, she, you can get like a actor in, her, in their forties yeah, because yeah, like yeah. When, when she first meets Vader, this is like at the very beginning of the Vader run, mm-hmm. which is in the very beginning of the 2015 Vader run, essentially um, all the Jedi's lightsabers are burned. Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's when the whole thing about the, the, the um, <laughs> I'm such a nerd. The whole thing about the Kyber crystal bleeding. That's when oh, it's kind right. of be, that's when it's introduced. So for um, you people who actually uh, have a life, uh, and don't know this, the the reason Sith sabers are red is because you know the Kyber crystal is supposed to reflect your soul, and if your soul is tortured, it bleeds, and that's why it's ah, red. There we go. So oh. you know, as Vader being Palpatine's new apprentice, he has to go on a mission to essentially build his crystal. Mm-hmm. Very reflective of the whole Tusken Raider situation. Right, you have to right. go on your journey, find yourself, build your weapon, and then come back. So uh, in his journey, he finds Dr. Aphra. So this is literally right after Revenge of the Sith. She's like fairly young, kind of doing her own thing. So you can definitely get an actor um, in their in her 40s and yeah, bring her well, in. And if she cause... does, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Right. The second I see that like airplane thing with the goggles and shit <laughs> on her head i'm gonna like oh bro well and, th- and that's why you could easily do it as opposed to kira who has already been played by somebody in live action exactly you know what I mean? like she hasn't been played live action that's why, she's yeah. only been in the comics right she hasn't even been in animated series has she who dr afro yeah no right yeah so it's like comics. this will be the really the she's only first... been around for like the past six years ever since that 2015 run right so this would be the first sort of and if uh, i'm wrong i completely apologize right, i'm yeah. not Guys, everything I say is not factual. <laughs> it's just, it's just, just coming, just coming off the just top coming of the head. from my head. Yeah. So uh, I don't have a computer in front of me, you know. So you know, <laughs> if if for some reason if Doctor Afro was around before that, then yeah, forgive me. But from my understanding, she was introduced in the Vader run. Gotcha. Well, and then, but with that though, regardless of whether it was in the Vader run or somewhere else, she hasn't really been in any sort of live action or even animation type of media. So this would be her first kind of introduction into that. Yeah. So. It could be played by anybody. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that would be a character that I definitely think we would uh, would be fun to see. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think it's a bet that we're going to get Mando in this. Yeah, I think so too. I think in some sort of whether it's a post credit scene or just something. I think it's just going to be something to set up uh, Mando season three. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be really fucking cool if Mando just comes in for an episode to help Boba on his, like imagine if we get them teaming up, bro, just oh one flip side, like the finale, like the finale Mando comes in and it does the uh, assist. Like that would be so fucking I awesome. Fucking nut. Um, but I do think it's just going to be somewhat of a cameo, just being more realistic. I think it's just going to be a cameo to set up season three. And then we're going to kind of be off into whatever season three is. Bro, you, if Mando season three is shooting now, <laughs> you have the fucking volume. You yeah. change the set like that. Oh, easy. E- and easily. Then it's, easily. It's, it's, it's all done. Exactly. But yeah, I'm with you. I think, um, I think it's going to – we've talked about this a lot, but we assume that season three of Mandalorian is going to be taking back Mandalore. Yes. That's our, our assumption. Yeah, just assumption. We have no, um, we have no, we have no inclining at all as to what it's yeah, actually going to be about. But, you but. know, essentially at the end of Mando season two, Mando's alone. Um, he gave up – you know, his mission's over. He protected the child. He gave him to a Jedi. And he's and now, cha- he, now he's a saber. And now he has a saber. Yeah. Exactly. He's hanging out with – 
Bogotan. Who wants so to it's kill like, him? Wants to kill him. Loki <laughs> wants to kill him. So you know, whoever has a saber rules Mandalore. Right. So right. we have to go there, or something has to happen. But we just assume that that's going to be the um, that's that's going to be the play here. That they have to go back and take back that planet because, as Boba said in in Episode Eight, that planet is glass. Right. So they're gonna need all hands on deck. They're gonna need all the help they can get. Um, like we said. Mando's gonna come in, get in loser. We're gonna take back Mando, right. and uh, we assume that'll be the case. So, and I'm fucking excited. I, I cannot wait to see Mando again. And that's I am and, and that's, so and that's what I mean, dude. Like that's why this this whole thing has just been such a around a, a massive success because. Like we're like, just give us all this, man. Yeah. Give us, give us everything. Like, if this is the future of Star Wars, I am cool with that. Yeah, I'm fine. The to me, the sequels do not exist. Um, this Mando, this is the true sequel. <laughs> that's the sequels. That's what I'm gonna tell my kids. The sequels yeah. are. So uh, yeah. But now something well, else that we want to talk about. Wait, before we get to that, I have one more possible appearance that I that I read. Oh boy. No, no facts. No facts. Complete rumors. I'm gonna nut. You might not like it because I don't know oh. how I feel about it. Okay. I honestly don't know how I feel about it because it is a legacy character. A legacy character? Yeah. Okay, who? Han Solo. Pop up in this? There's oh! A, there's a rumor that Han Solo might pop up at the end of the series. Bro, I'd be all in. Are you I know, me? I would be too. But like, I, I, but I, just, I, I just don't know because like, obviously like, I should feel fine because Luke came in and did his thing and it was awesome. But like, is, is that too big for the show? Is that character too big for this show? Bro, Luke is the biggest character I know, you can bring I to know, Mando. I know. The cards, there is nothing. But see, the, but here's all the cards are. You can literally. You brought back fucking Luke Skywalker yes. for a television show. Right. Weird digital Luke. Weird Skywalker. digital. It doesn't face, matter. Yes. It still worked. Literally, you can bring back anyone. You can, but then it's that's a, that's the thing that I'm wondering here, right? Is it is it Solo Han? Or is it D.H. Harrison Ford? Which I'm assuming it's going to be D.H. Harrison Ford. No, give me Solo, Han. If you you're going to go, even though I hate fucking Solo, so, I hate that movie so much. Yeah. Um, if you're going to go there, I just give me... Give what's, me that, what's that actor's name? Um, Al- Aaron Reich. Aldrich Aaron Reich. Ald- Aldrich Aaron Reich. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I, I do like him as an actor, and mm-hmm. I feel like that he unfortunately got saddled with one of, one of the toughest jobs. And then the fact that that job was such a fucking disaster of production, like I feel bad for him. Like, yeah. you know, and I feel like that he hasn't been in much since. Right. So I would and, like uh, for to see him come in here and maybe get another shot at playing. And Hulk. not just that, but um, like, give me fucking uh, Lando. Give me Don Glover in this Oh, bitch. that'd be cool too. Bring him in, yeah. Because I can see so- Solo would make sense because he's a spice smuggler. Yeah. You know? Oh, there you go. So yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, makes sense. that right off the bat would yep. make sense. Or however, though, I don't, I don't think he would come in because I think this is still very fresh from Return of the Jedi. So he's with Leia right now, Ben. Um, yeah, what would be his purpose for being? Actually, you know what? Oh, here we go. Got you. Bro. <laughs> you the got gears the, are you turning. Got the gears turning. I mean, at this point, Ben could be going off to train with Luke. If you want to care, if you want to piggyback off of that. Because Luke is gathering his students. Well, I mean, also so too, he got Baby Yoda. He got Baby Yoda, but then how? Hmm. But he, yeah, he would because be, I, don't, I don't think it's enough time. Like, it, cause no, he, he wouldn't. Like him and and Leia would still be together because him and Leia don't fall apart until Luke until until, ben until goes after crazy. Ben goes crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you could bring him in, he, and, but he's a smuggler. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so he's at heart. He from you know Return of the Jedi to Force Awakens, it doesn't change. Right. You know? And people use that against me all the time because they're like, oh, since he's like a cheater smuggler, it's okay that he cheated in the castle run. No, it's not. I fucking hate that fucking movie. The movie sucks. Um, but yes, but that's that's the rumor that Han Solo... I, can, I think here. Solo would make sense 
because of what's already been established in these two episodes mm-hmm. in terms of like especially with the spice being introduced despite not just that yeah. but he has Tyson with the syndicate right we know that already from the fucking movie um, Tatooine he knows Tatooine he's been there before that's how he met Luke so it wouldn't make sense right and, and if they bring him if they bring in Solo I'm not gonna lose my mind I'd be happy and yeah. excited but it wouldn't be like the reaction that I got from Luke right like Luke I was literally jumping up and down right well, cause screaming because that, that was also like unexpected and, yeah. and when you do something like that that makes you think going forward that anything could happen. Yeah. So like the so that initial surprise is now gone. So it's like if you saw some, I guess you're right. If you saw some like Han Solo, be like, well, we had Luke, so this makes sense. They yeah. can bring him in here. They can 100 yeah. do it. So um, so yeah, I mean, I'd be, it'd be cool. I wouldn't hate it, but uh, but moving on. Next thing I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, Natalie. Yellow oh jackets. yes. Um, we've. Oh no, the episode never aired. Well, her episode hasn't aired yet. No, no, no. Our episode, we talked about Yellow Jackets. It never came out. It never came out. <laughs> it got that, shelved. You know what? You know what? That's going to be one of those from the vault episodes. When we have nothing going on, <laughs> I'm just going to drop that one randomly. Okay. Okay. Um, so we, Nick and I, in the unaired episode, talked about how much we love Yellow Jackets. Yes. It which if you guys aren't watching, please watch. It is fantastic. It is a show on Showtime. It's really good. It's so much fun. It's got like some weird horror, dark, supernatural shit going on. The cast is incredible. But yeah. Oh, excuse me. Definitely go check it out. Um, in the show, we follow characters in two different time periods, mm-hmm. in the future and in the past. And, you know, the future characters are obviously younger versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. The younger version of Juliet Lewis's character in Yellow Jackets is played by this actress. Um, I don't know her name. I believe it's something Simone Hatcher. I don't know. But in the one of the trailers or the advertising for Boba Fett, we see a girl on a land speeder. Mm-hmm. She had dark hair. She had like dark eyes, like weird makeup. And I assumed, um, and it looked like Nat. Yeah. It looked like the the actress. Yes. Yeah. Um, in her IMDb, she's not listed there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe it was just someone that looked like her. No, nah, because if you do a freeze frame, it's definitely her. And, yeah. and people online have talked about that, you know, that are fans of Yellow Jackets are excited to see her in this. Right. Um, so my, the... The Tuscan Raiders, again, we're getting this whole new look at the Tuscan Raiders. We've never seen the Tuscan Raiders unmasked. Um, we've seen them in comic books, or at least I have. And in the comic books, you know, they have dark hair. They have, like, black markings on their face. Mm-hmm. They're, like, a humanoid species. Um, so my theory is that this little kid that there's so much focus on in the first two episodes is going to be Nat. Right. Like, that's who it is. Like, her... And she's riding the land speeder, which right. Boba taught her. So am I going to be upset if it's not her? No, because yeah. I'm just really excited to see this actor. Because like I said, I love Yellow Jackets. She's great in it. She's great in it, yeah. So I'm excited to see her in Star Wars. But um, that just kind of, again, goes back to if it is her, mm-hmm. um, this whole new look at the Tusken Raiders right. with their masks off, whatever. And not just that, but the fact that they're still in contact. They're still you know, learning. So they're still I have, in touch. I have, I have a question for you, and this could be a stupid question. Do you know a lot about Boba's history? Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you know that Boba has a daughter? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Well, Boba apparently has a daughter in one, of okay. the com- in one of the comic runs. So there's speculation that that could be her. Oh. Yeah. Which mm. would throw a wrench in the... Uh... Clones can have kids. I guess. I don't know how. See, that's the thing. Like, I, I'm very uh, like my knowledge is limited when it comes to the comics and the books of well, Star well, no, Wars. No, no, that's true because some of the clones in um in the show have kids. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so I don't know how she comes into play. Who the mom is? I have no idea. I just know that Boba has a daughter, and that people are speculating that that could be her. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, I'm excited to see uh 
excited to see that. And uh, and yeah, just I'm excited for the rest of the show. Yeah, me too, man. I'm excited to see some um, some like different perspective scenes. Like I'm sure we're gonna get the scenes of when he fixes up Fennec a yes. little bit better. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the end of episode one of season two, when Mando rides off and we see Boba mm-hmm. and he walks away. Yeah. Like I can definitely picture getting that scene of like him being like, "Look, I have to go." Right. Right. You know? And it's gonna it's very um. What's that scene where he's like, I, it's, I see it in my head. There's a scene from a movie where he's like, I have to go. And then like they like let him go. Like the people let him go. Oh, wait, is that, is that Kong Skull Island? That's Kong Skull Island, Yeah, right? it is yeah, Kong Skull Island. Oh, yeah, I just, <laughs> just I literally just watched it. That's probably why, yeah. That's 100% it. That's 100% was it. Was it to say if you're ever in... Uh, if you're in Chicago, look me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I'm sure we're going to get different perspectives of scenes that we've already seen, and I'm really excited for Yeah, that. and I would also assume, too, that we're going to get to a point where we are not having any more flashbacks and we're fully in the present bro give me all the flashbacks it's I fucking know, nine o'clock oh yeah oh yeah we've been talking for a while oh my god <laughs> all right those tangents but yeah i mean I was, i'm same thing man excited to see where the series goes and that's about it that's it that's it guys thank you so much for joining us on fn2187 number three we hope you liked it we hope you enjoyed it um if you haven't subscribed or followed us please do go check out our youtube channel you can check out all the old dailies on there all the old episodes that we did um follow us on instagram twitter um all that good stuff and uh yeah we'll see you guys soon nick anything else nope that's it say bye later